Let us pray together the prayer for illumination printed in your bulletin. Soften our hearts and open our minds as we turn again to your holy word. Amen. This morning's scripture lesson is Genesis 32, 22 to 31, and it's found on page 28 of your pew Bibles. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Again. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Frequently, I'm awakened in the night by a voice, not God's, not my husband's. No, it's the voice from a quirky podcast Tim listens to called Sleep With Me. Does anyone know this one? Tens of thousands of people subscribe to this podcast because the man is so boring that he puts you back to sleep. And this podcast has become a reliable way for Tim and tens of thousands of others to get back to sleep in the wee hours. Tim rushes to put in his ear pods and turn on the podcast before he starts perseverating over life. 
I'm also in the pattern of waking up in the wee hours, always too early to justify getting up, but also know that if I lie there long enough, I'll start fretting, fretting about our children or other family members or friends or you. And while lying there, I start uh, getting overwhelmed by my to-do list I need to face at sunrise. Or you know those nights when you're replaying conversations you've had that you regret or that you wished you would have said? It comes to you during the night. What keeps you up at night? On a global scale, we are barraged with night terror options. Who hasn't awakened vexed about climate catastrophes? We've had 31 months of a pandemic to fret about. And if those haven't kept you up at night, what about wars or rumors of wars? Some of my personal favorites, the rise of fascist ideologies in the world, or the consequences of the widening gap between the rich and the poor, and the resulting crisis of unhoused people in this country. There is no shortage of crises to keep us from being well-rested and uncertain about the, where the world is headed. It's not hard to resonate with Dostoevsky's words in the Brothers Karamazov. It isn't that I refuse to acknowledge God, but I am respectfully giving him back my ticket to a world like this. The struggles of life can sweep down upon us at night like an owl sweeps down upon its prey. If you haven't noticed, the sleep industry has become gigantic. The sleep industry is making billions of dollars by helping consumers get to sleep, stay asleep, or wake up from sleep. And it seems like there are mattress stores competing for the number of Starbucks that are around, doesn't it? And when did designer pillows become a thing? Prescription and non-prescription medicines, aromatherapy and white noise machines are available everywhere to fix our sleep issues. And doctors say insomnia contributes to disease and disorders. Our out-of-whack sleep cycles have become epidemic. Now, some of you might be thinking, I don't know what she's talking about. I sleep very well. And I say, God bless you. That's it. God bless you. But my challenge to us non-sleepers is what if... Instead of being distressed about being awake during the night and trying to fix it, we embrace it. What if we allow ourselves just to go with it, to enjoy it, to experience it as an opportunity to meet head-on what is going on in our hearts and minds? What if our night anxieties are portals to peer inside ourselves. 
What if our sleeplessness might be our unconscious mind telling us we're too busy during the day to, to look at what's really going on, to pay attention, to explore our grief or our pain, our sadness, our anger, just our mess-ups. The Holy Spirit says, I'll wake you up and I'll just give you a minute to get to take a look. Our scene from Genesis this morning is about a distressed, sleepless man named Jacob. Jacob had to face himself in the dark of night. But let's review what kept Jacob up at night. His regrets and his mess-ups he had to contend with. Jacob was a person whose life was defined by conflict from its beginning. The name Jacob means heel or grabber or overreacher. Jacob received his name when he gripped his twin brother Esau's heel as they struggled to come forth from their mother's womb. Esau appeared first and was given the birthright of his father Isaac. Esau would carry on God's blessing. But Rebekah favored Jacob. And Isaac favored Esau. Already a fun family dynamic, right? Rebekah connived to help Jacob steal the birthright from his brother. And true to his character, Jacob was willing to cooperate with his mother's scheme resulting in him usurping Esau's birthright, then tricking his own father out of Esau's blessing. And when Esau discovered what Jacob had done, he swore he'd kill Jacob as soon as their father died. So in terror, Jacob fled the country, and he found sanctuary in his uncle Laban's home far away. After 20 years of working for his uncle and through multiple crazy machinations and family drama, Jacob was called by God to return home. And true to form, Jacob betrayed Laban, his uncle, as he set out with Laban's daughters, Leah and Rachel and their handmaids, 11 children, and the tremendous wealth he'd built while on his uncle's land Jacob left behind an enraged father-in-law and journeyed toward a resentful brother. Bookends of regret and strife marked Jacob's life. So the scene this morning is Jacob's day of reckoning. His deeds have finally caught up with him, and the story is as old as time. What we run from pursues us until we find the courage to stop and face ourselves. Jacob has no choice but to face Esau, told by his scouting party that Esau is coming out to meet Jacob along with 400 men. Reconciliation with his brother didn't seem like a possibility. With a strategy to appease his brother's resentment, Jacob cleverly sends all that he loves, all of, his, all of his wealth ahead of him, drove by drove. 
out to meet Esau. And in the dark of night, he sends across the river the last of all that matters to him, his wives and 11 children. And Jacob is left utterly alone, stripped of everything except his fears and regrets and an uncertain future. A mysterious opponent, an unknown man, comes unannounced upon Jacob. Now is this wrestling partner a man or God or an angel or Jacob's conscience personified? It seems the narrator leaves his identity intentionally murky. But Jacob engages in the most important struggle of his life. The wrestling match proceeds and goes all night long, and it's not really clear who emerges as the winner. But even though the wrestler, the divine wrestler, puts Jacob's hip joint out of socket, Jacob is true to his name. He grabs hold for dear life, and he wrings out a blessing from God. And the man... God asked Jacob, what is your name? Who are you? What is at your core? And Jacob is honest for the first time in his life. He admits, I am Jacob, a deceiver, a thief, a con man, a manipulator. And God responds, you are more than that, Jacob. You will be More than that, you will no longer be the cunning one. You will be called Israel, one who wrestled and prevailed with God. So out of his pain, out of his physical pain, Jacob receives a new identity, a new purpose as the leader of the children of Israel, who also receive a new identity as a people who wrestle with God. Now, in Jacob's story, God invites courageous wrestling because to wrestle with God or to wrestle with our faith or to ask hard questions or to be concerned about the state of the world requires the opposite of apathy. To stay in the struggle is the opposite of resignation or indifference. We are summoned to wrestle in the darkest hours of the night, to keep our hearts wrapped so tightly around the one who alone can bless us. And I think the prayers we pray at night in the dark of night are likely the most honest prayers we ever pray. This story, this story of Jacob and the wrestler has been a favorite of biblical interpreters because of its multiple possibilities of meaning. Because it can ask, and it does ask, what keeps you up at night? It challenges us to allow what we're wrestling with to become our guides, our teachers. This story is about facing God and facing ourselves. This story is about pursuing a faith 
that will not come easily. This means an authentic relationship with God will not be pain-free. This story tells us that an authentic relationship with God requires a good tussle now and again and again. This story of Jacob tells us faith can feel like a wrestling match. But if we trust the one with whom we wrestle and cling to our faith as if our life depended on it, our pain might be transformed into a blessing. And our blessing might be what directs us to a new future. Friends, believe this truth. So be it. Amen.